You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one and welcome all to the greatest show of them all. Volume 100. And 14 of the NFC East mixtape, which you can listen to on any one of SB Nation's NFC East blog podcast networks. You can also watch this on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel or the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel. He is Brandon Lee Gunn from BGN. I am RJ Cho from BTB. BLG, happy to see you. How are you? And I forgot to say this before we started recording. We actually have a meeting in 45 minutes. So this is going to be a really tight episode. Um, I'll I thought it was in an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> um, I think I'm right, and I think you're wrong about that. I think you're right, and I think I'm wrong. So we're good. We can go for an hour and 45 minutes if we want. There we go. Uh, I did have something on my mind. It was about neighbor etiquette, RJ. How do you feel? So for mm. the people who did not see, who are not watching on YouTube, I gave RJ and the people here a wave at the camera, uh, which is prompting this question. How do you feel about neighbor etiquette as a whole, but specifically... Like if you see your neighbor, are you gonna wave to them? Especially if you're driving by, what's what's the protocol there? Um, so I think like, you know, I live in a neighborhood and we walk our dog a lot. You know, I walk the dog. My wife pushes the baby in the, in the stroller, um, and so you know we're out a lot. You know what I'm saying? So like, there is like a casual like, hey, you know, how you doing? Like, if you're really close, I think there is an actual like, how you doing? You know what I mean? But like. Nobody really answers that question. It's just like, right. good. You know what I'm saying? Um, I do think if you're like in the front or the back of the house, like doing something, somebody drives by. If you, I think the, the general rule is if you make eye contact, you got to give a slight wave. That's yeah. the general rule. I agree with that. It's funny. We always like wave to our neighbors or back home at my parents. Um, <clears throat> also, I'm not the biggest fan of the talk, though. Like when, when like your neighbor comes right. over to talk, especially like when you're just getting home, it's like I got home from somewhere. You don't know how long I was out. Like I could have been mm-hmm. out for like multiple hours and I need to like go back to my house and do stuff. It's one thing if you want to be like, hey, how's the weather? You know, like like a one minute convo, but there has to be right. a time limit. It can't exceed like one minute. I feel like there's a real cornering feeling to that because it's like they know where you live. You know what I'm right. saying? So like, <laughs> yeah. it's like um, so, yeah, that's a good, good question. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a review to get into if you're OK with that, if you'll sure. allow it. Um, we, we we actually were delayed uh, in starting this episode, and it would have only been 45 minutes if I had been right about the meeting, but I wasn't. Um, but so we were delayed in starting because of you, because you were finishing lunch. You had a pizza, um, which I think I is did. pretty on brand for you. Um, this review is on the blog of the boys side of things, and it comes to us actually from Joe's Lunch. So Joe uh, is a big fan of lunch. That's his username here. Um, so it is titled NFC East Mixtape is great. Five star review. Um, and for the record, if anybody wants to have the review read, we will read it. If you want to ask a question, you want to make a comment, whatever, go leave one on any one of the podcast networks and we'll totally get to it. Here we go. Um, NFC's mixtape is great. Repeating the title. Like I'm like, that's also written in the review. It's not just the title. Um, also shout out to RJ for powering through an episode while sick. I really was sick last week. Like that was the beginning of it. And it it lasted like four days. It was wild. Anyway, uh, one of my favorite folk remedies boil water with garlic lemon skin on cayenne and honey you probably Whoa. won't like it but neither does bacteria also and i wanted to get your thoughts on this some pennsylvania <laughs> so geography also some pennsylvania geography info the appalachian mountains run diagonally southwest to northeast through pa philly and harrisburg home of the esteemed mr parsons are on the east side of the range while pittsburgh is on the west side mountains aren't very tall but travel is difficult enough that there is pretty significant cultural slash accent difference. That's the review. Is that true in your experience? Um, I don't really know. I can't mm. really speak to Harrisburg mm. as much. I'm not from out that way. I will say, I was just thinking when you brought up Micah Parsons, is there a Micah Parsons curse? 
because he wore the Tyrese Maxi jersey as a Sixers fan, and the Sixers lost. He wore the Phillies jersey, went to the Phillies game. They, they, he actually won the games they went to, but in the bigger picture, they didn't achieve the goal. Phillies lost the World Series, and then Micah Parsons was seen in Boston repping the right. Celtics, trying to distance himself, um, very transparently so, from the Sixers, and then the Celtics lost. So... And then the Cowboys don't win anything. So maybe there's some bad luck going on with Micah Parsons. Um, I will say I've learned, um, obviously know a great deal of information about Micah, but um, I've learned this offseason particularly, like everybody's calling Micah Drake with the like team hopping thing. It's, mm. you know, it's kind of difficult there, to diffuse that there argument. Is some of that but, there though. Uh, yeah. Um, Especially if you but, look back at his old tweets where he's like, what? my Warriors and my <laughs> Lakers and my Heat well, he, or whatever. He did have a, tw- well, and then he, he got, obviously goes to a lot of Mavericks games. And um, so somebody was like, do you got to pick a team? And he did say a few weeks ago or something like that, that he, in a joke, like, I think he's like leaning into the meme at this point, but he, um, he was like next, next season, I'm picking one team. Um, so sure. it remains to be seen which side will, uh, will, will take his allegiance, Denver or Miami. Um, who knows? Jimmy Butler is a Dak Prescott fan. So maybe, you know, that's his in, but, um, mm. who knows? But I wanted to say on that, uh, what I've learned about Micah is he is like, what I like about Micah a lot is he's just a big sports fan that happens to be an incredibly talented football player. Um, so he's like obsessed with collecting jerseys. Like you said, he was, uh, did he have a Phillies jersey? I don't remember on the set. That he Pretty was, sure he I, did. I'm sure he did. Uh, right. That makes sense. Uh, so he has a Phillies jersey. He obviously has a Sixers jersey. He, in the, uh, the moment that you're talking about in Boston, he was like asking Jason Tatum uh for a jersey uh who tatum who's very famously uh friends with zeke elliott so he does have like these these um you know little boys it was a winner against philadelphia at least i mean like just look at how he's played in big moments and he hasn't really i mean how did he play in game seven against i think that was more i said this at the time that was more about like indeed and harden not showing up than tatum really (laughs) like he had the most points ever in a game seven was good if tatum was good at all the night series would not have gone to a game seven anyway horrendous uh, so until that that video in that video micah's like telling tatum he's like i gotta get that i forget how he said he's like i gotta get that zero jersey and tatum's like i got you and then like 10 minutes later micah has a tatum jersey on um, and then I don't know if you saw this, but he was tweeting um, with Donovan Mitchell <laughs> and he was like, uh, here. he was like, oh, well, Donovan Mitchell's a Cowboys fan. So he's at least got that going well, here. But he fits. was like, he was, he said something like, oh, the one I have on my wall is your Utah one. I need that Cleveland jersey. Like Micah's clearly a jersey collector. That's what I've learned over the course of this offseason so far. I have a quick review to read from the Bleeding Green Nation podcast side of things. Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating review. This comes from username Mexican67. Five stars, title, you know what I mean. And then the body goes on to say, on most shows, RJ throws in the phrase, quote-unquote, you know what I mean. I'm often wondering exactly what he means. Can he elaborate more? P.S. Go Birds. Um, well, you know, P.S. Go Birds, uh, or what was the name? Mexican 67? Mexican 67. You know what I mean. I, I, that's the whole, you know, you. it's a state of mind. You know what I mean. You know what I, I think, I don't know if I've brought this up on the podcast before. You know that, like people will say, it's like they always say, and then they say the phrase mm-hmm. like that. But it's like, if you do know what they always say, then you wouldn't need to say the phrase. It would be like, well, you know what they say, and then nothing. Yeah, because you know, um, I think we're reaching a point of like just like average human intelligence where all these things are like annoying us now. Um, so that's just where we're at. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into the meat of today's show. We're gonna review the series finale of Succession, Brandon. That's what was right. Your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> haven't watched it at all. I think HBO Max changing to Max is silly, as everyone else does, and that's all I've got. I saw a meme, um, and then we can get into this. But um, so the app changed. And the meme was like somebody staring at their like screen and it was like, you will have to download the new app. And like the caption said, I would rather sit in silence for three hours than mm. download a new app and have to log in again. Like the oh. process of logging in is so arduous. It really is. It, I, I hate I hate logging in. It's the I worst. hate when you like the worst is when you have to type the information in with the, the controller. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? You got to like go to your whole email and then like some some, you know, digital keyboards have the like you know, at Gmail, at Hotmail, at Yahoo, you know what I'm saying? Like, dude, they can fill that part yeah. in. Then you got to, like, do the shift or whatever, find the symbols, like, and then if you made a typo, like, it's just, it takes, you know, I just wanted to watch a show. It's really Or, like, the uh, kind of some stuff we have at Vox, like the two-factor authentication stuff sometimes, where I have to, mm. like, so I enter my password, and then it's like, oh, now I have to go onto my phone, which, you know, might not be right nearby. It's charging somewhere, 
and then I have to like pull up the app and pull up the code and type it in quickly because they expire, you know, part of the safety measure. So yeah, we reached the, we're just complaining about stuff portion of the podcast early. Uh, uh, PSA, went, oh, PSA for the now? two. PSA for the two-factor people, because people use it for different things. Sure. Um, I learned this lesson the hard way. I think you remember. I got locked out of my Instagram and Facebook account because I got a new phone. And you like the authenticator app is not something you like log into. Like The app yeah. is tied to your phone. So you yeah. have to be like, if you're going to get a new phone, be very careful to log into the authenticator or whatever before you erase the old phone. That was my yeah. mistake. And it took, I, it was, we had to get some people involved. Shout out to, uh, to the, I won't say anonymous, but the, like the ever present Morgan, Morgan's the best. I know someone who works at Meta if you ever need help in the future. So mm, Mark, is it Mark? Uh, yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, we are going to keep it NFC East mixtapey here. Um, and this is the bullish episode. That's what the title is. I learned, famously learned what that word meant while on an episode of the NFC East mixtape. Because I thought bullish meant the opposite of bullish. Um, you taught me, Brandon. Thank you so much, my very mm. good friend. That bullish means when you are high on something. So the opposite of how you feel about the new Max app. You are in. You are a believer. You, you see the truth and the truth is a positive thing here basically micah parsons is bullish on every team in the nba it feels like um so that being said we are going to discuss reasons why we are bullish on every team in the nfc east and that means next week brandon will be bearish yeah which is the opposite which is what we just but said. we're not going to talk about the chicago bears even though i am bearish on the or bears. my dog bear who was very loud before we started recording Thanks yeah i'm not so bearish much. on bear either Good. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, I'm not either. His bear's birthday actually yeah. is um, Sunday. Happy so. birthday, pal. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, Let him know so, I said that. Um, I think this is a, a good launching point. Um, recently, Bill Barnwell wrote at um, at the Worldwide Leader uh, about, you know, he ranked, I guess is maybe the best way to put it, um, off seasons, right? Like the, the best off seasons to the worst, like, verse, like based on like how they improved or whatever. It was an interesting exercise. Um, Three teams in the NFC East were in the top four. Um, so 75, 75% of the top four was the NFC East. Um, and it was not the 75% that was a part of the divisional round last year on the NFC side of things. Um, this isn't the order we're going in, obviously, but just to kind of, you know, I guess set the stage. Number one was the Washington Commanders. Um, and, you know, Barnwell even mentioned that this is really about the change in ownership. Yeah, but right? it's true. I, right. I saw that at first and I'm like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, duh. That's true. <laughs> Uh, the line that I think is notable um, here um, is all of this is about what happened. Oh, no, no hang on. I, I, I glossed past the line. Um, you can make a reasonable case that no team made a more significant move to aid their chances of becoming a Super Bowl contender this offseason than the commanders did by beginning to extricate themselves from their disastrous ownership group. It truly is the like example of like the bar is so low. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that like the length in which they have cleared the bar is the biggest because their bar was lower than any team in the NFL. I don't think it's arguable. <laughs> it's right. it, like, again, they had with Dan Snyder, it's as simple as, as we've said many times before with Dan Snyder, they had like 0% chance of ever right. having sustained success with any other owner. They have a non-zero chance. So that's automatically a big upgrade. Winning percentage uh, prior to Dan Snyder in basically the Super Bowl era, 58%. With Dan Snyder, 43%. They had 16 playoff wins before Dan Snyder. They have two in the Dan Snyder era. No MVPs, no Super Bowl wins, obviously. Not even a single MVP vote. They had 98 MVP votes prior to Dan Snyder. Again, we say this all the time because I know we have some younger listeners. Like, there was a time where, like, Washington was, like, like this bad team. Like, bad, like the good bad. Like, like it was a difficult thing when your team had to play them. They were a force to be reckoned with, and that hasn't been the case for a long time, obviously. Their ceiling with Dan Snyder was like a playoff win, maybe. In a mm -hmm. like, a, you, you could have a good year here and there, sure, but you were never going to be able to actually win a championship, or again have any kind of sustained run of success. Um, number three on his list. Number two was the Miami Dolphins. That was the the non NFC East team, and I do think they are kind of like hiding a little bit in plain sight, even though they're like at every Heat game. Uh, it feels like so. We'll see a lot of them uh, in the coming weeks. But number three was the Cowboys, um, and a big reason why was uh, the acquisitions of Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. Um, I do want to discuss what he said when we get to the Cowboys, but just laying this out. And number four was the Eagles. The Giants were all the way down at twenty nine, which is really insane. Uh, when you consider that I, I'm I'm 
less bearish on Daniel Jones than you and many other people, but that you would be 29th of 32 teams when you handed out a franchise quarterback contract really says something. I was surprised to see them that low. I don't know they've had like, you know, an amazing offseason, but I don't think they also had like a disastrous, although, you know, the it, it all comes down to, I guess, whether you believe in Daniel Jones or not. Right. Um, but I think that's still a little bit harsh. Then let's start with the Eagles. Um, I don't know that we have a number, but like reasons we are bullish on them. Um, should I go first? I think that makes sense for me to go first. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know it's about a specific number, but yes, go ahead. Well, they're the reigning NFC champions. Uh, <laughs> they, they had a billion sacks last year. Um, if there is regression to the mean, they were so far, like yeah. they were on one end of the spectrum that regression to the mean would literally be the mean. You know what I'm saying? And so if you're at the mean, you're still, you know, that's pretty like solid stuff. And if you're at the mean and, you know, plus minus things go your way on average, I mean, it works out for you. Um, I mean, I, I have some in reasons to be bearish too, again, just, you know, for next week, well, yeah, which we'll I think will be interesting. Um, but Jalen Hurts exists, obviously. Um, you know, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, the draft, all, all the Georgia stuff, the Alabama stuff, whatever. Like, it is still one of the most talented rosters in the NFL that while a teeny tiny purge did happen, did not get completely and totally picked apart the way a lot of teams who play in the Super Bowl do. Um, so, I mean, you're returning the nucleus of a very, very, very good team. That is really the, the main and primary reason for me, but it's a very solid one in my mind. I wrote down five different things. They're not all in depth, but just like kind of five things that came to mind. So I'll hit those real quick. Uh, I think, you know, best quarterback in the NFC. And if at the very worst, like second best quarterback in the NFC, and that applies to our, our first two teams here, obviously, which is a, a good thing. Like, and, and it the makes the off, rivalry fun. Yeah. And the drop off between the top two to the like third or anything else is significant. So at the very least, very least, one of the top two quarterbacks in the NFC and then, you know, one of the top whatever in the NFL as a whole. Uh, that's number one. Number two. Still very strong in the trenches. They lost Javon Hargrave, but I mean, you still, you added Jalen Carter, you added Nolan Smith, and you still have Hassan Reddick, and you still have Brandon Graham, like you still, and Fletcher Cox returned. I'm not like crazy about that, but there's worse options to have. Jason um, Kelsey didn't retire. Jason Kelsey didn't retire. Um, they lost Isaac Sumalo, but Cam Jurgens is coming off the bench. They drafted Tyler Steen. Um, they have options there. It's not like they're hopeless there. And even if that spot isn't like amazing, you'll still like sign up for the rest of the offensive line uh, very much. So, so they're still strong in the trenches. That's number two. Number three might actually have a defensive coordinator who like can have a prayer against a good quarterback yet remains to be seen. But Jonathan Gannon, who is certainly not like aids well thus far in Arizona is gone. So I like that. Number four, I think the ceiling for running back is better. Miles Sanders had a good year last year, but I think, many would be able to argue that penny and swift the ceiling of those players while they might both not hit um and it's possible none of them hit the ceiling i think has been raised at running back and lastly you know this is a lot to react to i have they actually have the easiest schedule in the nfc east according to projected win totals because they're um, not playing themselves like that's that's the difference between their 13th and any other team in the nfc east Whereas the Cowboys are 18th, the Giants are 19th, and Washington is all the way down. Even though they had a, a quote-unquote last-place schedule, Washington actually has the hardest schedule at 24th. Um, certainly, the Eagles being good is factoring in there. But still, um, I just well, think... Well, the, the other teams being good for Washington as well. Like, they have to... Like, the sure. six games are against three teams in the divisional round. Yes, but I do want to point out, like, because there's just so much that was said about, oh, the Eagles have the toughest schedule in the NFL by strength of schedule. Oh. I, I've said it consistently, like, strength of schedule is dumb. Like, give me projected win total over that. I don't think it's dumb. I mean, I think it's, but it shouldn't be like your driving thing. You know what I'm it's saying? It's less I, meaningful than projected win total. Absolutely, it is. I, but I think that they they both have value. But if you're marrying the two to come sure. up with some sort of like hybrid, that's that's the overall goal. Because you can't just dismiss like who they who every team yeah. was last year. Like it has some value. But I'm not saying um, it's an easy schedule. I just don't think it's like this impossible schedule that you would maybe some are making it out to be because of the hardest strength of schedule thing. No, but I mean, again, I like the statement like, oh, well, the commanders have the hardest schedule. Again, it's like really obvious why, like, because every team in their division was in the playoffs and, you know, one double. Well, how many games did the Giants win? Ten, right? Last year. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, that makes I think sense. It was they, the tie. Oh, you had, you're because they had the tie nine, against the commanders. One. Um, I think all that is well said. Um, I mean, the quarterback thing is huge. The, the you didn't mention it, but like on, on my list was they didn't get destroyed at corner. Like, I feel like that's been. 
and you correct me if I'm wrong, like as it relates to the Cowboys, like for the last, I don't know, like call it like seven, eight years, it's it's been this matter of like, how is Amari Cooper, if you're an Eagles fan, like how is Amari Cooper beating us? How is CeeDee Lamb beating us? Like we, we just do not have the corners to like cover these dudes. And so like, if there had been this exodus at that position, I do think there could have been some like regression to those times. Um, and I do think that while there might be some regression for Bradbury and or Darius Slay, like you still have two, at the worst, very solid cornerbacks to work with and, and kind of patrol your defense. Um, the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson departure, whatever, it's a safety. You kind of figure that out. I think one of the biggest things, like one of the biggest wins for the Eagles in the offseason is the rugby play was not outlawed. Like that, that's that's like a big deal um, sure. and, and something that, that really kind of helps the Eagles mm. Oh, oh, like I'm not saying it, it, it takes them from like it adds yeah. a win to their. I still overall. think they would have been really good at sneaks, even if they can't push, because their offensive I, line is very good. And but so they can, it, like you know, what I'm saying like so, even it like it, it would have hindered them. Call it one percent or a fraction sure. of a percent, but zero percent is less than that. That's my point. Um. So and they have an aggressive mindset in a lot of ways, like in a coaching way, in a roster management way. Um. So yeah, I mean, best like, coach in the division is that fair to say? No, why? <laughs> like, I, I, Who's I don't the best think coach in the division. I I mean, I would say you it's Mike McCarthy. One. I would say oh it's Mike gosh. McCarthy. Okay. Nick Sirianni has been a head coach for three seasons, right? And he's been to a Super Bowl, right? Like, I'm not saying he's bad, but like we discount who Mike McCarthy is for a lot of reasons. Like, you know, it's ridiculous to me, like that you would say that Nick Sirianni is is better than him. At this I mean, point. he surpassed but, their projected win total in both of his first seasons. Okay, he's overachieved. <laughs> They have also played, uh, had the benefit, like the Cowboys have, of playing the Commanders and the Giants that were rebuilding. That's a fair thing to say. Okay. And also the whole division, McCarthy. the whole division, he's lost more to McCarthy than he's won. Nick Sirianni has. So, I mean, that doesn't matter either. So, head-to-head matchups favor McCarthy between the two of them. But anyway, um, I think that I agree with Wait, you. What, this. like two to one? Well, the 2020 was the first. No, not 2020, but 2021 was a sweep. We're not counting the last game in week 18. That's not a, a real game. They were. Okay. They were well, then it's still two to one. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, but so, it's okay. One game. Okay. Well, it's more like he's won more head to head. And okay. it's like, and he's never lost to Nick Sirianni at home, Mike McCarthy. So you're so, putting Sirianni second behind McCarthy? Yeah, I mean, and I'm using I'm using McCarthy's like Green Bay era and tenure to evaluate who Mm -hmm. he is as a coach the same way other people do with other coaches, like the same way Broncos fans do with Sean Payton. Like if if Sean Payton was the coach of the Cowboys, I think like this is a separate take, but like I think Sean Payton won by not getting the Cowboys job because Sean Payton still gets the like hype without the like teardown that comes from working for the Cowboys. You know what I'm saying? And he doesn't Uh, have to not uh, advance in the second round. Anyway, um, but yeah, I would go McCarthy, Sirianni, Dable. Well, no, uh, yeah, Rivera. Rivera's just it's, been so bad. Like it's 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 hard to defend anything. I felt that way for a long time, though. So I'm a little bit biased against Rivera, but I will fully admit that. But this is about the Eagles. Um, I agree that the ceiling with DeAndre, the floor rather, is higher um, in in the running back room. Uh, third year, Devontae Smith. It's higher. I said the floor is lower. I think the floor is higher. I think the mm. ceiling is maybe the same you know what i mean mm. but i think the floor is higher um i think Devonte smith you got third third year wide receiver that's a, a common rule of thumb like breakout year coming like maybe this is the year where Devonte becomes like the dude and aj's just like an awesome second dude you know what i mean um so yeah i mean those are there are a lot of reasons to believe um hassan reddick in another year um i mean yeah the the in, infusion of draft talent like I think Javon Hargrave being gone isn't like a good thing. Like, obviously, like you'd rather have him than not have him. But like, if it opens the door for possibilities and development of other players, like that is a good thing. So um, even the bad things weren't like terrible for this team is, I guess, the point. Yeah, I don't think they uh, lost anyone where they don't have some kind of plan behind them. It's not just like, Mm -hmm. well, what do we do here? And there are teams like that and situations like that, that they're able to get again, like Jalen Carter or have Nicobe Dean in-house. So he's ready to take over from one of the linebacker spots. You know, those guys are projections. I don't know that they're going to be amazing, but at least you have like something that you can feel optimistic about as opposed to like, again, there are teams with situ- te- very tenuous situations where you're trying to like string things together with duct tape and glue. Um, do we have any other bear or bullish reasons? This, this is still a difficult subject for me, or do we want to move on? We can move on. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Dallas Cowboys. 
I would like you to go first. I went first for the Eagles. So actually, yeah, I think it's the easiest one is uh, Dak interception regression. He was at a 1.7 interception percentage in the first six six seasons of his career. And he was at 3.8 last year. So uh, it's a very more than double of what he was in the past. And obviously he'll be healthier in terms of not his hand not being injured. So I definitely think, I mean, that number is going to come down. Um, so that alone is a really big factor when it comes down. Cause like, that's just the way like math works, right? Like we're talking like, you know, regression to the mean, like regression to the mean happens in positive ways. Um, but when that number comes down, there will be takes like, like, you know, this like late October, mid November, like what is Dak doing differently? And it's like, sometimes there are just outliers. Like it's, yeah. Like it's just life. It's just gravity. Um, I agree with you. Um, I, I think, you know, the low hanging fruit I thought was the Gilmore and Brandon Cooks acquisitions. I have like number two on my list. I mean, if you compare the aggression of roster building relative to last year, last year we killed the Cowboys, maybe you and I, but like we, the collective, for three specific things. Do you remember what they were over the offseason? Uh, what offensive tackle, Tyrant, just counting on Tyrant, no real backup plan other than like Josh Ball, maybe. You've really, you've, you've gotten, I'll give you credit for that one. That's one. Uh, and then uh, Amari, obviously, right. <laughs> and two. then uh, backup quarterback. No, uh, the third was the way the Randy Gregory thing happened, um, because there oh, was the okay. like clause and the contract. Sure. So, um, the trading away of Amari, um, it wasn't just the tyrant thing. Like, the reason I gave you credit though, uh, was because it was about the tackle position, but mm-hmm. they, they cut Lyle Collins and, and they seemingly had no real yep. plan. Now that it worked out, and Tyler Smith was amazing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I mean, that looked really suspect on paper and it blew up in their face at the final week of training camp or final week of the preseason before the regular season started, or it was two weeks before whatever, uh, when Tyron got hurt and they were really up a Creek. Um, and then, yeah, the Randy Gregory thing. And, you know, they drafted like their first three picks in the draft were Tyler Smith, Sam Williams, Jalen Tolbert, which directly replaced their tackle need, their pass rusher need and their wide receiver need, but they didn't draft for need. Um, and it worked out, but again, those things were really dumb. So this is the exact opposite of that, right? Like okay, we need help at corner. Let's trade for Stefan Gilmore. Let's add that veteran. You know, we're not super comfortable with where we are at at wide receiver, which we learned not only throughout the season, but with the T.Y. Hilton and Odell stuff, obviously late in the year. So we're going to trade for Brandon Cooks. Like they have addressed pre-holes, you know what I'm saying, which is a, a great breath of fresh air. Um, it's something they haven't done in a very long time. One of our writers, Danny Phantom, um, he he verified this as best as he could. So I don't know if this is 100% true. Uh, but I believe this is the first time ever that the Cowboys are starting a season with three receivers who have eclipsed a thousand yards in their career. So you got CD, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Gallup. Not that you get a trophy for that, but my point is like they've they've you know they've bought established things instead of like buying things that are unknown and hoping for the best. They have hedged their bet, which has been nice to see. Um, so that's my point on Stefan Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I put the <clears throat> address big positions of weakness, and then I kind of lumped in Mozzie Smith in there too because that was mm-hmm. obviously a which i do think which is kind of my criticism or concern or worry about the pick is that i wonder how much it was just an immediate short-term kind of thing with the idea you're just going to fix the run defense with him and you know i think that's a lot of pressure on one player and a rookie alone at that not to say you can't help but just like you know i don't know that it's a solution just that one guy so um but still uh, there was a vision in mind and i think between cooks gilmore and mossy smith those guys have the potential to be difference makers for the Cowboys. Um, I would also add reasons to be, or like to the reasons to be bullish list. I have two. Um, Dan Quinn did not leave, right? Like, like sure. we were like, oh man, like definitely happening. It didn't happen last year. It's absolutely going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. So Dan Quinn did not leave. And along those same lines, um, now Barnwell was not a fan of this in the write-up that we mentioned, but a lot of Cowboys fans are, they mm-hmm. moved on from Kellen Moore. So that, that, you know, does have a division um, among Cowboys fans. Like some people, I mean, you know how that is. Like, I don't know that there's like an Eagles fan standing for Jonathan Gannon, but I'm sure before, (laughs) well, I'm sure before the Super Bowl, at least there were some people who maybe a small sector who were like, he's better than we think. And then obviously he lost everyone then. Mm. But, um, but you know how that can be, right? Like some people are like, he stinks. Some people are like, no, he's really great. Like whatever, whatever, whatever. So depending on who you ask, that's another reason. Yeah, I'll get to Brian Schottenheimer and Mike McCarthy in the bearish Ooh. episode for now. We're doing a lot I, of teasing. Well, that's next week's episode. For this week's episode, I have Eagles take a step back. 
you know, this is uh, the Cowboys section, so I think I can be bearish on the Eagles a little bit in oh, this section. Oh, interesting baking in. Okay. Well, with the context that it's it's like said every episode, no repeat winner since 2004. Right. So that's obviously, it's not even just about the Eagles. It's about the that, division That lends to the Cowboys' advantage, you're saying. Yeah, right. it's just, it's like, it's absolutely relevant <laughs> because there's just, it's not something you can, I know it's like a trivia thing and not necessarily uh, predictive, but it's just true though. It's like, how could you possibly go into the season being like, yes, these are definitely going to win the division. Like, no, you can't say that. You can't just say they're definitely going to do it again. It's really hard to do. Um, I think so. This is Super Bowl 58, right? This year. Yep. Um, so like it's been, we're going on 19 years, right? If the Eagles don't win the division in this, this year in 2023, it will be 19 years in a row that a singular team has not repeated as an NFC East champion, right? Um, because the last time was 2004. So it was 19 mm -hmm. years ago. Um, and so I guess it's been 19 years, but whatever. Um, I don't want to get into the like Eagles oh, no, two, two years. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, but my point is like, it's not just like, a five-year sample size like we're talking yeah. literally yep. a third like I'm, I'm rounding here but like a third of nfl super bowl era history here like that is basically the 21st century like i, I realize I'm, I'm cutting a little bit off but like it is an extraordinary amount of time it's it's not just like a drop in the bucket it's also like indicative of volatility in the nfl that's how the nfl right. is they're just like you have good years you have bad years sometimes they're really hard to predict it's not as simple as you just win the division year in and year out, unless you're like the Chiefs. Um, but again, that's not the norm. That is more so the exception. Um, I agree. Like there's the unicorn that comes along every once in a while. The Patriots are like the unicorn of unicorns. The Chiefs are like a baby unicorn at this point. But um, I agree. Um, other reason I would add uh, to be bullish, Michael Gallup um, had the torn ACL season last year. There's many people who say, again, it depends on like what you want to believe. A lot of, you know, medical experts and injury experts say like it takes you a full year, you know what I mean, to recover. And he was very clearly not himself. I don't think that's like, you know, up for debate last year. Um, so there would be hope that there would be regression in that sense, the re you know, regression to who he used to be prior to the injury, which occurred. Um, I don't know if you recall in January of 2022. Um, so you've got that working out in your favor. Um, and I you know, I, I don't like, you know, being mean like this. Um, you have less of a problem with it than I do. But Zeke is gone, right? Like Zeke hindered the offense to a large degree. That's not to say he didn't have his value, didn't have his place, didn't have his worth. But he did hinder the offense in a lot of ways. And so kind of like if you're somebody who believes Kellen Moore's departure is a good thing for the offense, Zeke's departure is a good thing in a number of different ways as well. Side point here, tangent, on the, the mention of the Chiefs and winning the division, and maybe this is something you can bring up to our good friend Pete Sweeney in the future, I don't think it gets talked about enough how much of an advantage it is that they had two relocations between uh, the Chargers and the Raiders. Like, that's a big deal because, like, you're oh, just within, you're moving within yeah, this away. era. Yeah. yeah, you're moving away from, like, these passionate, or at least more so relative to the new place, passionate fan bases. So you're, like, you're weakening the crowds at two different road stadiums. Like, that's kind of, that's a really big advantage, especially when the Chargers have, like, no fan base at all. Like, that's kind of a really nice thing to have, I have to say. Um, I... I reached a point where I like had a little bit of a bitterness towards the Chiefs, like I think everybody did, and you have one now for this obvious has nothing reasons. to do with the Super Bowl. No, 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 I, no, 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 no but like, like I'm saying, like, Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I'm like, you, good for you them. remember, you remember you and I and stats talking about this, like, we all had a little bit of like Chiefs attrition, you know, again, prior the to the team. Super Bowl, and then I do think that they kind of broke through all that, but like, so I would have argued this a lot back then, but like, I do, there is some merit to that. I, I really think it really also puts in perspective. Big advantage. Right. Well, it also puts in perspective how pathetic the Broncos have been that like sure. they haven't been able to like remotely capitalize on that. Right. Um, but I, I actually brought this up to Pete. He didn't know Andy Reid has won. I don't know if you heard this. He's won as many, like they've won as many division titles in the Andy Reid era as they had all time before yeah. he arrived. That's insane. But to your I point, know. that's also capitalizing on the weakness around you. Yeah, I'm not trying to take credit away from the Chiefs. I'm just saying that's a nice like little thing to have in your back pocket as a bonus. Like that certainly helps, uh, and that goes towards like the recipe for success there. Right. Uh, so there you go. Um, Michael Gallup coming back. Micah Parsons in year three. The team having a again. You, you can you can go bullish and bearish on certain subjects. Um, I think which we'll find out next week, obviously. Um, but and the you know. Whatever Dan Quinn or Mike are going to say publicly or not, the like seemingly full time commitment to Micah Parsons as a pass rusher is a good thing. I would also add they did not lose 
Leighton Vander Esch and Donovan Wilson, kind of like we talked about Darius Slay and James Bradbury for the Eagles. Like th those were departures we were really worried about on the Cowboys side of things. And the fact like th that's why like when that happened in free agency, we were almost all kind of like we're good. And then they traded for Stephon Gilmore and it was like, holy crap. And then they traded for Brandon Cooks and it was like, this is Nirvana. Um, so retaining both Vander Esch and Donovan Wilson was a big thing. That's all I had. Um, well, then let's just let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. While we were gone, Brandon, you gave me um, some some positive words that I have needed. Do you remember why? Positive words that you needed. I think I said that phrase that I mentioned earlier. You know what they always say? Uh, well, I'm actually really nervous because why? Um, I don't know if I told you this. Um, the weekend of the draft, the Friday night after, like after Friday night of the draft, we had this massive rainstorm here. And I don't need to get into the specifics, but the storm damaged part of my pit boss, my smoker, my pellet grill. And so I had to get a part replaced. And mm. it has been a big thing. They've been really great, the customer service team, but like it got lost and they had to send a second one. So it's supposed to arrive actually like right after I get done recording with you. And there's some installation involved. And they did send me the instructions. But, and I'm so because it's been since the draft, like I'm, I'm so like anxious for food off of it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm really nervous that I'm not going to be able to install it properly. And I told you that during the break and you said, you got it, man. I believe in you. I love that you. Sounds Those like are your me. exact words. That sounds exactly <laughs> like how I talk. So I, I think the listeners believe it too. The New York good once again at football Giants. One of us has got to go first on the Giants. One of us has got to go first on the Commanders. Because I'm a good friend, I'll let you pick which one you want. Well, I went first last time. So why don't you go first this time? Again, there's some, you know, glass half full, glass half empty perspective here. But they kept Daniel Jones. And I do think that that is a reason to be bullish. Because had he left... What would they have done? I'm I'm actually seriously asking you that. Like, what what would they have? Jimmy Garoppolo would have been the plan with his like weird contract. You know what I mean? That was the talk of the weekend. You know what I mean? Like, what what would have been the like like what could have what, made a play for Lamar, but not like a guarantee. That wouldn't the, have happened in all likelihood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, would they have like traded for Russell Wilson? You know what I mean? Like, what would, would, <laughs> would they have been Derek Carr? You know what I mean? Like, none of those things. Like, plus the cost involved would have been worth it in my mind. So they were able to keep Daniel Jones. They were able to, or they did not pay Saquon. That's a big positive for me as far as like being bullish on them overall. They added weapons. They traded for Darren Waller. They drafted Jalen Hyatt. They signed Paris Campbell. Like they're, they have a fully competent, like when they huddle up, it's a, it's a you know, group of competent NFL players. I cannot say that that has been the case for a long time. Um, and they will have stronger development from some of their significant contributors. You've mentioned Evan Neal a bunch of times. Kayvon Thibodeau, who we've talked about in different ways, like from just a football perspective, will be an absolutely better player next season. I, I was a big fan of the Bobby Okariki signing. I know that you were not. But still, I mean, like, and they have not made any panic moves. Like, Adoree Jackson kind of wants out. They're like, okay, dude, well, you can play one final season with us, and then we'll move on. Like, they're becoming a shrewd football operation, which is a good thing to see. I put that, I put three different things. Number one is Daniel Jones has his best supporting situation <clears throat> ever, right? It has Are to you be. All right. You sick yeah. like I was? Sorry. No, frog, uh, a froggy throat, if you will. Uh, they added Darren Waller. I like Jalen Hyatt a lot as a dynamic weapon. Excuse me. People, Here, people thought he'd be, just to buy you some time to clear your throat people thought Jalen Hyatt would be the like number one receiver draft like if, if you had asked somebody in the middle of November you know what I mean like they would have been like I remember like people would talk like oh maybe maybe Jalen Hyatt will make it to the Cowboys they're like there's no way you know what right. I mean and I know a lot of things happen but still like that player is still there yeah and again uh I don't know about Jalen Hyatt uh volume wide receiver but I do absolutely believe in Jalen Hyatt like Deshaun Jackson mm -hmm. element where he's just like this problematic deep threat that everyone has to deal with and whether that's him 
actually making big plays or opening things up underneath for the Giants, which they had a lot of success underneath with Daniel Jones and kind of limiting the turnovers like we talked about. Yeah, I definitely think this is the best supporting cast. You'd already touched on it with Evan Neal, who we talked about last week in our, um, what was that, step? Uh, I don't remember. I blacked out because I was Step sick. back, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there's that. And uh, I also think that Debel has a case for second best head coach in the division. Obviously, we disagree oh on that, God. but he's well. He's, he's all right. better than Nick Sirianni is the. Case, you can disagree right. about that, but you can't disagree. Like he had a good season last year. He seems like he's a good coach. Seems like he knows what he's doing, and the coaching staff continuity they didn't really lose anyone. When there was you know talk that they could lose Wink Martindale, you interviewed for at least one job. Uh, Mike Kafka interviewed for multiple jobs, and I point to the Eagles from last year with this. The Eagles didn't lose like any other coaching. They didn't even touch their coaching staff, basically, going from 21 to 2022. That doesn't mean the Giants are going to have the same level of success. But I do, do think there can be uh, value in continuity. So they have that going for them. And the last thing I wrote down is what you already touched on as well with Thibodeau. I think he could be like, you know, one of these second year players who could make a big jump. To your coaching point, um, if we look at the three playoff teams, which again excludes the commanders, obviously, they're the only one who didn't see any coaching change. Now, granted, the Cowboys change was uh, purposeful, right, in moving on from Kellen Moore, and the Eagles was opportunity-based based on the head coaching opportunities for um, for Shane Stack and Jonathan Gannon, but, you know, they didn't lose. I mean, and that's sometimes mm-hmm. the weird... It's almost like... I mean, it's like when, when teams tank, right? It's like if you can't win the Super Bowl, you want to, you know, you want the better opportunities you wanted the higher draft pick whatever so like if, if you you know if you can't win the super bowl you want your coordinators to return in this weird hypothetical but um that worked out for them i think the dable thing is also like a reason to be bullish on them like year two like like if that was year one like what what happens when he has a full year like and he doesn't you know they don't have all this going on and i think that applies to the team as a whole the culture etc cetera, etc cetera, but also specifically to daniel jones i again i'm not you know, saying, oh man, what's his, what are his MVP odds, of, you know, over at DraftKings. But like he, he is a, like with the Brian Dable bump, like he is a stable quarterback. He's like, you know, when you play a video game and you get um, like armor or something like that, and it like takes your defense up from like, like a level five to like level million. Like that's what Brian Dable is for Daniel Jones. Like without him, his defense is like level, like what's ironic is level five, but like with it, it's level 1 million. So I think that's a good thing. Um, and again, I mean, they have not, what is the stupid thing they've done? I know some people would say paying Daniel Jones, but like they didn't bring Odell in. They didn't, you know, pay Saquon. Like they have graduated from those sorts of things. I mean, think about it. Like they have become like, so Joe Shane deserves a lot of credit too here. And I know, you know, and agree with that, but it's not just Brian Dable. I think there could be something to the Giants believing in themselves, actually, too. You know, they're not coming into the season like, oh, or the Giants were we're literally last season, as we talked about many times, too. Them and the Jets entered the league as the like the two worst teams in the league since 2017. So you kind of have that stench. And there has to be some kind of human um psychology stuff going on there where like we lose a lot. That's what we do. And it's it stinks, but like this is kind of who we are. But now they actually had a season like, okay, we made some progress. We actually believe we can win some of these games. And that doesn't like supersede everything. You have to be talented. You can't just have belief. But I think belief is part of the equation. And I think they might have more of that now than they ever had. So I think, again, if you're looking for optimistic cases, is that they come into the season be feeling like, hey, we can make some noise. It's not about like, hey, is this going to work? Are we still losers? It's like, no, we're like a decent team. I agree with your human psychology point. Also, from the perspective of like, you know, obviously you're coming off of not just a playoff season, but a playoff win, you know, I mean, like all those mm-hmm. things help and, and boost your, you know, kind of vibe. Um, but beyond that, like, remember when they were seven and three, we were like, it's it, that's it. It's over. Like, they're, you know, they're about to yeah. fall apart. Like that, that exactly. did not happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you, you were, you have, it's not In a just situation like, where it could have, because they got screwed with the, what the commanders had like that buy coming off mm-hmm. the commanders they, played them in twice that had that all that extra time to prepare and at FedEx field too. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, it's not just a matter of like, we believe we're not that anymore. It's like, no, we literally proved that we're yeah. not that anymore. And right. so it's like, I, I think of, of like, I don't know, like things all the time. It's like, um, like when you have like your first year at a job, like everything is like your first time, whatever. So like, it's actually like your second time where you're like, oh, well, it's no longer my first. Like, it's no longer like my first this, my first that, whatever. So like they're past all the firsts. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's a good and a liberating thing for them. And that they're past all the firsts with all these accomplishments under them already, I think is really great. And I think a, a big point, you know, 
for them in their favor is a bit of a bullish point, you know, on the Cowboys. But your point about the Eagles, right? Like there's regression maybe coming for the Eagles, the 20 year thing, whatever. And for mm -hmm. the Cowboys, it's like, well, they can't have a billion takeaways another year in a row, right? Like if regression comes for the top two teams in the division, like the door is well swung open for the yeah. Giants to win it. Like I predicted a year ago when we did our four-way show and everybody but laughed at me. None of, of y'all believed the way I did. And y'all are stupid. You said you I'm regretted smart. that after the fact. I never said that. And you There's totally no did evidence. get swept up in the moment when we were on the podcast. And you also admitted that to that. But I do think to what you're talking about for real, uh, it's confidence. Like confidence is a real thing. They have earned the right to have some confidence and it might serve them not at all. Like, again, it's not, there's a lot of things that have to fall into place, but it could be meaningful. I do, I do think it could be of value. And I, I think the Jets are like, I know we're not talking about the AFC East, but like, I think they're a good team and I think they'll be better, obviously, this year. But like, the, the two New York teams or the New York title teams, um, they have two different types of confidence to me. Like, like you said, it like the Giants' confidence is completely earned. You know what I'm saying? The Jets' confidence is completely and totally just like hope. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like you know, what I'm saying, like, like yeah. you don't have the career accomplishments of Aaron Rodgers, like just because he wears your uniform now and is like on your team, like, like they, you're not the same as the Giants, that the Jets aren't. Like, you have to prove that first, and then you know, Brandon and RJ will respect you at least. So, all right, let's thoughts. move on to the Commanders. If you're done, the Giants. set the table, set the table. You can do this. I believe in you. I mean, obviously, we are like Snyder being gone. We already covered that, so I'm not going to say that. That's it's very obvious. I can say that really quickly. Um, <clears throat> unlike every other NFC East team, I wrote here, I have four things for the commanders. Number one is unlike every other NFC East team, not facing the pressure of expectation because there's a lot mm. of pressure on the other teams. The Eagles coming off the Super Bowl, Cowboys like having to get over the hump and being right there and kind of maybe being perceived as the favorites because of the lack of repeat winner. And then the Giants having gone from being bad to being good. If there's any kind of struggle, it's going to be, oh no, same old Giants. So with the commanders, they're kind of just. I mean, that's kind of the luxury of people thinking you're bad is that there aren't a lot of expectations. So you kind of aren't facing that. Obviously, Rivera is facing pressure in terms of being a lame duck coach or whatever, or kind of on it closer to his way out. But as a whole, like if the commanders are bad, it's not going to be people like people are shocked. So I think there is something to that in terms of playing loose and feeling like, hey, no one gave us a shot. We can sneak up on people, whereas other teams in this division, I think, have more of a target on them. And it's like, oh, we have to bring our A game because we're playing the, these teams that made the playoffs last year where it's like, oh, the commanders, like we can take them for granted. That'll be an easy game. So I do think they have that in their favor. I think that's really fair to say um, they're kind of like the youngest sibling um in a family where everybody has struggled right and so it's kind of like well you know whatever <laughs> like you know what i mean the the bar is low like nobody can really do anything you know whatever like just just kind of hang on um i think is, is maybe the best way to put it they're um, gonna be underestimated right and i mean the i mean like the same point you made about the cowboys about the giants i mean that we brought up um or the same point you made when we talked about the cowboys and then i brought up when we talked about the giants is true here right the attrition to the entire division like you're not going to be in a division that has three playoff teams again in all likelihood right like especially mm -hmm. this one right that you know we talked about the the 2004 thing um i my biggest one like outside of the snyder thing is this was a very good football team like in like relative to context like do you remember what their highest like let's say highest but like um the like highest point was like when we were talking about them like the whole division potentially making it what their record was uh no they were seven and five they were seven and five and then the tie with the giants happened so they fell to seven five and one and then the bye week and then they lost to the giants and then they lost to the niners because the niners didn't fall apart with brock purdy like we thought they might but like you were seven and five like and you were seven and five with like chaos you know what i mean like and seven and five when carson wentz started part of your season so like mm -hmm. similar to like other things carson wentz is gone like you have finally ridded yourself from the the bad you know vibe or decision mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it like i don't know that i believe in jacoby Brissett or sam howell but like you know the vibe the vibe shift from wentz to Brissett is huge that is a that's huge, a great like, point that, for the locker room that is massive yeah, I mean, specifically, like, like no disrespect to Sam Howe, but, like, Jacoby Brissett's one of the, like, most loved dudes yeah. in the entire NFL. And Great so teammate. I agree. Um, the Carson thing kind of felt like the last, and maybe it was, like, appropriate, like, Snyder football thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, the, the last, like, like, Albert Hainsworth big decision. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, and so, like, you're free of those. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what, what is the contract that they have right now that we're, like, that's so stupid. You know what I mean? Like, find it. Like, I would challenge you. 
you know what I mean? They they really don't have one. I mean, it's you know, and um, who was it? Drawn Payne, who they tagged, right? Not Jonathan Allen. Yeah. Um, so they tagged, and they got the deal done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so you got the deal done despite all of that. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have these weird kind of things hanging out. Terry McLaurin is under contract. Like, you have, you know, the Chase Young thing didn't work out, but you know what? They acknowledged that, right? Like, they, they didn't hold on. They didn't pick up the fifth year option. They're they're no longer living in fantasy land as a football team. Like, you know, that's one part of who this organization is, obviously. So, like, all these things point positively for me like and i don't believe in the head coach but if you want to you know take this as a positive thing like it's maybe his last year right like so like you're maybe almost done with that part of the ride and i i bet you commander saints listening to this are like i can't believe you already haven't mentioned this which is probably the number one biggest reason for optimism is eric b enemy uh maybe right. he is really as good as advertised i kind of have questions because of how no one has like ultimately kind of wanted him and that at the time of the commanders hiring him, I said, like, I think this isn't like necessarily the best signal. Like he's ending up here of all places. I don't like that. No, that's the best development for Eric Bieniemy's actual stock and outlook. Um, but there's a chance that everyone is right. And he does deserve a head coaching job and maybe gets it in Washington. We'll see depending on how things go, but maybe he is the real deal. I think it's fair to say that the offense wasn't really going places with Scott Turner. So, um, you know, this could be, this has the potential to be a big upgrade. I don't know that Sam Howell could be anything, but I'll put a a non-zero chance that he could be something. I mean, he was like a legitimate prospect. Obviously he like didn't finish strong at North Carolina, but at one time he was like, like, it's not just like uh, this guy out of nowhere. At one point, people thought he'd be a first-round pick in 2022, right. and so that the, obviously didn't happen. Like, there has to, there, there might be something to work with there. I think that's fair to say. I wouldn't again bank on that, but like, it's not like uh, you're drafting, you know, like the Eagles drafted Clayton Thorson or you know, like, or Will Green, you know, like these like kind of just yeah, it's whatever. That guy's not clearly not going to be anything. Uh, so uh, I thought Sam Howell was a great value when they drafted him. I thought they got him lower than I thought he would have gone. So uh, I definitely think that's a fair point. And the last thing I'll say here. Defense is talented. If Emmanuel Forbes works out, which I think is a big if, consider he's 166 pounds, it's a good secondary. And I think it's hard to say, like, if Chase Young works out because of, I don't know, just that the signal does not seem good on him coming off an injury and everything. But I guess there's a path where he is healthy and he looks great. So I, I, the point being, larger point being, they still have a lot of talent on the d- defensive side of the ball. Uh, and for as much as I think Jack Del Rio, uh has there's some uh big question marks there uh he's certainly at, at the very least been able to produce good defenses i actually have a question because i don't know that i can think of an example can you do you know or can you name a time where a first round player did not have their fifth year option picked up and then played through their rookie contract obviously and then signed with a different team and the original team received a compensatory pick can you think of an example of that I think that's going to happen with Andre Dillard. You get what I'm saying? You get the, you get the like prompt I'm describing. Yeah, about, right? not like, likely, but it, I think that is going to happen. With so, Dillard. well, the fact that, that it's Andre Dillard um, makes what I'm about to say sound jaded, but it's not. I don't think that should be allowed. Like, if you decide, if you decline the fifth year option, you're saying we don't, you know, we're good. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't believe in a player. So, like, you know, if you, you know, like, and if, if you re-sign the player, though, to like, because some players, like, this happened with Leighton Vanderish, like, he, they declined his fifth-year option, and they brought him back on a one-year deal. If he had left, I think you should be eligible to get the compensatory pick then, but you shouldn't if you decline the fifth-year option, because by your own admission, you're saying that this player kind of sticks. They did. The NFL did get rid of, like, a couple years ago, the option thing. I think, I, I think it used to be, if I'm not mistaken, you could decline not just the fifth year option, not like just other options, option, other right. like contract. And uh, but then I changed that, I believe. But I, I think it's still in place with the. I think I think the spirit of what I'm saying makes sense, though, because why should the commanders in this case be allowed to reap a potential benefit of Chase Young playing well and leaving and getting paid when they're saying right now we don't believe in him? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Look at me. Hit me up, competition committee. I'll make your lives easier. Um, I would offer my last one. You have Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. Like you, yeah. like you have one of the best receiver pairs in the NFL. Like that is something that should be said. Um, so maybe, and you know, you have Brian Robinson. Like you know, like you, you, like you kind of, you know, I wouldn't say stumbled, but like you discovered one of the better young running backs in the NFL, and his story is obviously uh, incredible with his recovery. I mean. So there, there is stuff to work with here. You know what I mean? Like you just, you got to find your artist. I don't know who that is. Maybe it is Eric Bieniemy. 
they need the catalyst, I believe, which is, you know, the quarterback should be at least. I think on your Dotson McLaurin point, I don't know. And we'll, we'll get into this with our, you know, NFC, all, NFC East offense team, specifically Ooh. with the wide receivers. I don't think they're the best pair in the division, but I think going into any game against the divisional teams and other teams with really good wide receivers, I think it's very possible that like Dotson and McLaurin could end that game as the, like the top two receivers in that game. Like they were the top two guys on that given day. I agree. And I, but I think part of the reason why they're not the best in the division is because the division has two other really talented pairs. You know what I'm saying? It's um, tough. It's a, it's a very right. tough, like there's so, really like, good receivers in this division. Would, would Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dodson be the best receiver duo in the NFC North? Um, I don't really know the North. Maybe not, no, well, well, Justin Jefferson no. exists, so obviously not. But yeah. the NFC South, maybe? Who are you looking at there? Um, the Falcons. Maybe, oh, no. Tampa, like, T- Tampa still exists, and Tampa still, you know, whatever. Tampa F? Well, Mike, Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin. That's what I'm saying. Like, it depends how you feel about them now. Um, But, you know, they'd be closer, at least. Would they be the best? Uh, not the AFC East because of Miami. Um, and are we going quarterback agnostic here too? Are we factoring in like their production relative? To- no, like you're saying, if you can swap them out, like that's the, yeah. your, that's the game. Um, definitely not the AFC North. Maybe the AFC South. Definitely the AFC South. Like you know what I mean? Like I know people are yeah. are are bullish on Jacksonville, but like I think we all want to see Calvin Ridley a little bit. You know what I mean? Before we like really yeah. crown them. Yeah, I mean he has um, to reprove himself after being and, out for a year. And even. The AFC West, yeah, like if you could make an argument that on any team they'd be the best receiver duo in the AFC West. Like Kansas, Kansas City doesn't have like a super intimidating duo because Patrick Mahomes exists. I'm, you know, it depends how you feel about the Chargers, but like Keenan Allen, I don't know that anybody really is like super high on anymore. Mike Williams, Quentin Johnson, like whatever. Um, and the Raiders, like you know, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, maybe you think they're better, like as a duo and. Again, Denver has a lot to prove in a lot of ways. I think they might be the best in the AFC West. I know I already mentioned the Snyder thing, but I guess another part of that I should have mentioned is kind of like I talked about the Giants. Commanders can now believe, like, oh, now we can be good again. Not necessarily be amazing this year, but, like, Snyder's gone, so it's like a fresh slate, and maybe, I don't know if this is real, but players could be, like, more motivated. There's more on the line in the sense, like, you're trying to impress the new ownership. You want to be part of this new core of a team. Um, You feel like there is hope. the, 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 the crowd could be better than it's been in a long time. Stadium is still not good, but the, the crowd could feel like fans could be. I'm sure there's a number of fans who swore off the team with Dan Snyder and like, I'm not going to that stadium until he's not the owner anymore. And I think you'll get, I bet you, I bet you there's a crowd increase this year. I don't know to the point that it's, you know, like the most fearsome play in the NFL, but I bet you it's a better crowd than it's been in a bit. So that's another thing too. I would also offer last thing, like you're like, I'm back to my first year point. Like it's no longer the first, everything is the commanders. And I know that there's some like question about that, but like for now, at least, you know what I mean? Well, like for now, it, it, cause it might change again saying. for now, should change it again. Get rid of the, come on. I think, well, if you're like, we, I said this, you know, recently here, but like, I think Josh Harris, if he's paying what $6 billion should be allowed to name the team. What he yeah, why does he, yeah, why does he, unless he just loves that name? Yeah. Why would he keep yeah, it? Yeah. Like I, like if like in this particularly unique situation, he should be allowed to name it what he wants. So sure. What if he named it the Sixers? Would you be bothered? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Why? It's the nation's capital, like 1776. That's not it's, how that it's, works. I mean, it's a, it's, it's no, not, it's it didn't not happen the there, thing. but like, it's, yeah, a, it's exactly. I know, it's I know it didn't happen there, but like, it's an equally, you know, significant thing, like relative to the country. Like, what is the equally... best name? If, if we have to pick a name that we want, what do we want it to be? For the Washington team? Yeah. I think they should have went with Red Wolves. Red Wolves would be cool. I would feel less dumb saying Red Wolves than I feel saying Commanders. Or just the Wolves. I mean? Why not just the Wolves? I'm fine with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I also, that's almost too cool. I almost don't want them to do that because of how good that would be for them. But I, I liked, I liked the red wolves idea because you, they could include the, the logo with the R you know what I'm saying like, if sure. you can have some, you know, connection to the or history, maybe they the need team. a distance from that though. I think it's the thing. I mean, get I get away, that get away like, and I get they cut the colors, but like, this isn't like the Jaguars or the Panthers. Like there is a, a storied football history here that, you know, like the, that the name commanders doesn't really acknowledge or whatever. What about the I know Wolverines, people like the Washington Wolverines super fan of that as well i mean miss me i know there's people that are like i liked the football team no it was dumb i didn't i was did not like that whatsoever so um yeah the washington mixtapes about that no 
Why? Does that mean we'd have to root for them? That would be great SEO for us. <laughs> so uh Yeah, but then yeah. I, I don't I don't know what that means for us at that point. Um okay, last thing and then we'll get out of here. Ian Rappaport just tweeted DeAndre Hopkins has hired Kelton Crenshaw of Clutch Sports to represent him in free agency. Okay, uh, so not that sketchy guy anymore. Um he also represents Chase Young, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Devontae Smith. So a lot there's a big NFC East flair there. Yeah, I don't think the Eagles are signing him, by the way, because um, uh, there's I, just not enough targets to go around for everyone to be happy, including him. The, the Cowboys are the favorite, depending on what sports book you look at, and not that that really matters or means I anything. I think for the same but, reason, they are also not going to sign him. I mean... It's not Madden. It's not fans. Like, guys I, have egos, I, and they I want their targets, it. and they're not going to be happy. Do you know how many targets per game De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins averages over his career? Per game, I would put the over under at like seven and a half. And it's I would like 9.7. Yeah. So he's going to have to take a ridiculously like lighter workload if he signs with the Eagles. But he might, what, he might have a, what's his career high in touchdowns? I'm going to guess it's like 13. Know. I'm looking it up right now. I'm going to yeah, guess it's, it's about targets. It's about volume. It's about putting up numbers because that's how you get it's, paid. Holy NFL. crap. It's 13. Um, shout out to me. Uh, but I mean, I think it's not happening. We'll see. Uh, unless then, unless I'm wrong and he just like is willing to take a lesser role, which I think is not really what's going on here. But unless I'm wrong about that, it's not happening. For he, either team, to be clear. I'm not like trying to say, oh, it's not only happening for the Cowboys. It's not happening. If he signs with the Cowboys, or, the Cowboys or Eagles, and like I know people would make this argument about the either Giants team should do, sign him. Well, if he signs with the Cowboys or Eagles, and I know people would make this argument to different extents about either team. But if he signs with one of those teams, that's that's the Super Bowl favorite on the NFC side, like without oh, a doubt. Like yeah. you know, what I'm saying like, like to be clear, yeah, I'm not saying they shouldn't in terms right. of like that'd be awesome, like <laughs> in a ridiculously stacked lineup for either side. But like, I just don't see it realistically happening because he has a preference too. I'm telling you, he's one gonna want to go somewhere where he's gonna get like big time targets, and it's not gonna be in Philly or Dallas. It's gonna be something like super random. It's gonna just feel boring, like the. I don't know. Like I, the Cardinals, the Cardinals were that team. Like I remember vividly recording with Pete, and then it, JJ Watt tweeted out the photo of himself working out with the Cardinals shirt. And we were like, the Cardinals. Like it was yeah. so like flat and boring and whatever. How so. about uh, Jimmy Kemsky talked about this on the NFC mixtape? How about the like a lot of people? We are the like, NFC mixtape. Jimmy exactly. Kemsky's never been on the NFC mixtape. BGN Radio. Um, That's a sore <clears> subject for a lot of people that he's never been on the NFC. I mixtape. know. Well, it'll happen. Uh, Zach Ertz like wanted to go to the Cardinals. You know what I mean? Or at least wanted out of Philly. And now, he, he, and at the time, it was an upgrade. But now it's looking like a big well, time downgrade. Isn't his wife from there? Like from the area? Like, and you know what I mean? Like, there's there's some like non football reasons for, for him that I like, think she's make- from the West Coast. But still, like, you know what I mean? But part yeah, but part of the reason he wanted to get traded is because the Eagles were perceived to be in this teardown mode, and he wanted to go somewhere to win. And now he is looking at maybe the worst team in the NFL. Mm, Zach and Jonathan Gannon. Zach Hertel. He definitely dropped that touchdown. But um RJ, anyway. no, he didn't. That's <laughs> like I, I I called that in the moment. I was like, he took three steps, so it doesn't even matter. And also he recaught the ball in the end. Zone. It was look, it was a touchdown, but I remember like vividly thinking he took like three steps. I, I know. Look, to be clear, it was a touchdown, but my thought in the moment was like, I hate that like this is like a thought that I have. You know what I'm saying? That like like this is not that this isn't like plain as day obvious. Like I hate that. But anyway, I was never worried. I was like, that's a, like, I, I saw it live. I saw I said he had three steps into the uh, Ryan Van Bibber. Shout out to former SB Nation uh, writer uh, who was sitting next to me at the time. And I was like, that's definitely a touchdown. Anyway, what was, what was your question? So we can get out of here. RJ, uh, I want to hear three songs people should listen to. Mm. Uh, I was also thinking potentially if you don't have three, you could do one, I could do one, and then maybe Rachelle can throw one at the end. Oh, I like that. Like okay, can, so Rachelle, if you're listening to this, you can throw that in at the end with your your because she's not here for, for the listeners okay so in, in post on the in the spirit of that um rachel uh i can't tell you everything because you're not a part of monday football monday so we have like our own special jokes uh but part of it involves the spice girls jeremy reisman knows what i'm talking about um and rachel has a connection to the spice girls so i'm gonna go with stop by the spice girls that's my answer i'm gonna say reptilia by the strokes Ooh, great like like beginning that's a great call Wow, what do we think? I can't, we can't guess, Rachelle. It's impossible. I can't guess. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to like lead. You know, lead her a certain way either. Okay. Anything Rachelle wants to pick, and uh, it is your homework, listeners, to listen to all those and give your feedback in the Twitter, order that we in the order that we went to. In the so order, stop, 
um, and Reptilia, and then Rachelle Song TBD. And use hashtag songs. No, you can't pick something so generic because then it gets lost in the shuffle. <laughs> hashtag do... mixtape songs. There you go. Hashtag actually, mixtape. that's probably that's not, really, that's not that's good really either, generic. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag uh, mixtape listen along. And um, maybe if you really want to like get in the vibe of what everything this show is, make an actual mixtape with wow. the songs. That's great. I mean, that's really you're asking. How about to make a playlist on your phone? Maybe <laughs> no. Why not? I want a mixtape. That. We that's like mixtape. Or I mean, yeah, that's certainly like the A plus above and beyond. Did we name maybe, this this podcast the playlist? No. Yeah, that maybe would be the, the, the NFC's playlist. That would sound so stupid. Oh my yeah, gosh! Come on, Can't that's not. That. It's not practical. We uh, should build an NFC's mixtape playlist. Hmm. Mm, well, these would be the first three songs on it, obviously. Right. Which, right. ironically, the first one is called Stop even though the goal is to go through all of them. So let's just say one final word. One final word. What's up, everyone? Rachel Prevet here, and my song selection is Ain't It Fun by Paramore. Okay, bye.